We're back, the Golf Insiders, wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house, Holly G, along with Jeff Shane. And um, along with our various road trips this past month, Jeff, um, we were at the International Network of Golf Conference in beautiful Sebring, Florida, about two hours down the road, off 27 in the middle of nowhere. Some beautiful ranches down there. Beautiful citrus, beautiful lakes. And some great um, golf. And, and and some very underrated golf. And so uh, there's something out there. Maybe, maybe uh, the avid golfers heard of it. Maybe they haven't. Look up or, or check out the Citrus Golf Trail, which is uh, some of the, the top courses right there in the heart of the state. Uh, Sebring, Lake Placid area. Uh, like I say, very underrated place for golf. Known for its racetrack, some great little uh, boutique hotels. And if you want to get away for a quick weekend, um, check it out, the Citrus Golf Trail. And we had the opportunity, our banquet, to have two of our ING members who are inductees into the World Golf Hall of Fame happening in Pebble Beach next week. One of our dear, dear friends, Jan Stevenson from the LPGA, Dennis Walters, who we've known for years, the trick shot show artist yes amongst four others uh three others three retief goosen uh coming in off an international ballot uh billy Payne, uh, the former chairman of augusta national and the late peggy kirk bell the pioneer women's teacher so five inductees into the hall of fame uh on monday night the ceremonies will be broadcast by golf channel and you had a chance to sit down with jan I'm with Jan Stevenson, soon-to-be Hall of Famer Jan Stevenson. You know, you get all the congratulations for the Hall of Fame. You're just waiting for the formal part of the induction now, right? I know, except that, you know, they sent the, they sent the uniform that we have to wear, and then they also sent a beautiful necklace with the Hall of Fame, and they said, you cannot wear that yet. I was like, oh, I really wanted to wear it tonight, you know, because I had this dress where it would be perfect. Oh. And uh, I'm like, okay, okay, I can't wear it. But every time they say it, it doesn't, it doesn't take away the thrill and the goosebumps. It really is special. I would imagine for somebody that had to wait maybe a little longer than she should have, it grows on you and it becomes even more special. You know, the, the funny thing is that all these people and I get frustrated or cried when I didn't get it, you know, and go, I, you know, I know what I've done for the tour and it never, and they're not recognizing that. So for me to say I'm glad it happened now and not earlier is really quite something because I was devastated <laughs> for years. But um, I think I really savor it and appreciate it more now because, you know, my career is over. And so it, it means more than if you're still playing mm -hmm. tournaments and, you know, you're still making a mark out there. Was there a particular point or a year where you thought, okay, it's my t time now and, and it wasn't your time? And was, was there a low point where you thought maybe this isn't going to happen? Well, I think the last six years, every time mm. I was devastated and thought, wow, and once they passed me over for other people that had played after me, I had a feeling that uh, I may never get it, you know, and I was really getting upset. So when Lopez called me and said I got it, I was started crying before she told me I got it because I thought I hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> so it was still tears, but your tears changed. <laughs> they definitely changed to happy tears because Nancy was crying when she called me. And I thought, and she called me last time when I didn't get it because she's on the final four committee. Mm. 
And so I figured she was, when she was crying, I figured it was to tell me that I didn't get it again. And then she went, no, no, you made, I started crying and she went, wait, 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 you made it. And I'm like, oh, okay, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> what a great story. Do you feel different now? You know what you accomplished. Everybody knows. And I'll be honest. People would say, you know, Jan Stevenson, I think, well, she's in the Hall of Fame. And I have to go look it up. No, you're not in the Hall of Fame. Does it feel any different now that you actually have the official title? It definitely does because I actually have been recognized. You know, the trouble is a lot of the stuff that I did that really helped the tour. And, you know, I mean, I was winning in the late 70s and early 80s the most. Mm -hmm. But that's when I worked so hard to help the tour. And I, and I started saying I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I had just focused on game, my game like everybody else and I would have won more tournaments. So I was really regretting the work I did to help us and have us. I was signing contracts for 10-year contracts with sponsors. And I'm thinking, what if I hadn't spent that time with them, I would have been practicing or playing another tournament. Mm -hmm. So I really started regretting all the work that I did because nobody remembered it. You know, and I thought, gee, I've, now they're just looking at my wins. But the great thing is that they did start looking at my international wins because they never recognized them. And that's when I got mine was merit-based, just like Retief's, but they did take care, just like Retief's international wins, they paid attention to my international wins. Mm. You mentioned the work that you did for the LPGA. You were their it girl in the late 70s and 80s. When you do that and, and you kind of become the face of an association, that had to have changed a lot about how you even just went about your day as a professional golfer. That's true. I mean, you really, it was, I mean, it'd be even worse nowadays with, because of social media. Yes. But, you know, I couldn't go to a grocery store. I couldn't go to a restaurant. Everybody would always, you know, show up and, want, and, and you know, get interrupted. And, and I loved it. I mean, I did enjoy that. Uh, I always liked that part of it. So mm -hmm. it was not something that I regretted. But it was a different, you didn't have any private life. And so um, it's, you know, that part is, you know, nowadays I do have, a, you know, quite a bit of a private life because nobody knows who I am. Um, but it, it was it was a fun life. There's no question. It was pretty fun to be the big superstar. Was there also maybe a little bit of pressure? Because when you are the face, for whatever reason, uh, you don't want to be just the pretty face. You want to be the champion. You you got into this game to be a champion. That's a good point. And, and you know, and that did take away a little bit, as we said I said earlier, but... It, there was always that, that they, they didn't want to say, oh, she's just, you know, she just looks good, but she can't play. Mm -hmm. So I really felt like I had to prove myself with the majors. You know, Laura Ball went through kind of a similar situation, and she did not win. Do you, do you feel for what she went through and her inability, I suppose, to, to put one trophy up there? Yeah, never winning is really a, something that would be scary. I mean, luckily I won first before they made me the face, so I'd kind of <laughs> broken the ice. There you go. And that probably helped, but um, it is—it's hard to put that have that pressure because you know you're getting all the attention, and the players didn't like it if, they, if you're not winning. Mm -hmm. So at least I could kind of put my money where my mouth was and win. <laughs> you told a great story uh, to me about a week or so ago about you and, and Joanne Carner, and somebody had asked Joanne, well, "What do you think about Jan and and, and marketing uh, the, the feminine side of it?" and and I'll let you finish the story. Oh, yeah. Joanne was really never one that was jealous of it. She just said, you know, she was great. They said, well, what do you think about Jan showing herself and wearing those little short shorts on the golf course? And Joanne had said, if I had a body like hers, I would wear that too. And so we made a joke and we took one of the outfits with the little short shorts and a, t and a little golf shirt. 
And uh, we put Joanne's face on it and took a picture and said, there you are, Joanne. You have a body like mine. And she loved it. She actually wanted them to travel with it on tour. When We, ha- we used to have a male van that traveled on tour. She made them t- bring it with her, and she'd put it in the locker room every week. She loved it. What did the other players think of it oh, being in the locker room? they thought it was so funny. They just made a joke of it. She goes, you know, this is fun. If I, and she always used to say that. You know, if I looked like that, I would do it too. How much did that lift the – LPGA's profile in that period. It was really quite amazing. I mean, the, we did the numbers, and he said we've estimated it's an extra ten thousand people a week that come to the tournament because of Jan. That's amazing. Yeah, and it was pretty fun. Did you have tiger-like galleries? Oh, out there? enormous! Everywhere I went, you know, there were practice oh, practice rounds were like that. It was just like I was a tiger. Wow! Of of all the wins, and you had the three majors right in a row: eighty-one, eighty-two, eighty-three. I would imagine those are the ones that stick out, but is, is there one in particular that you put at the top of your list? I think other than the majors, I mean, there's no question the U.S. Open is important. And my first major was the Maurier, which is mm-hmm. when my dad was caddying. So it was my first major in the Canadian oh. Open. And that was really special because I had lost the week before to Pat Bradley and Nancy Lopez. And if I didn't make the putt on the last, I would go into a playoff with Nancy Lopez and Pat Bradley. And my playoff history was one in five. So I wasn't looking very good about going into a playoff. I was in the last group. I'd, I'd, won, I'd led wire to wire, so I was, had pressure on the whole time. Enormous galleries, and I had about a 12-footer to, to win and make the putt. And uh, that putt was really tough, and I made it. Most pressure-packed putt of your career? Without question, that was the most pressure-packed. Mm. Coming out of Australia, the Australian media kind of dubbed you the great disruptor. What did that mean? Well, what happened is in, I was really into fashion, and um, when we played all of the events, I was always too young. You know, I was the youngest one to, to play, and, and we'd have, they had all these, oh, I would say they were called trials to, get, to make it to their, for the teams to represent the country, and I was probably 10 years younger than everybody else. Most of the girls playing in the team were in their 20s, and I was in, I was in my teens. Mm. And so I would go out and win all the trials, and they wouldn't put me in. So it was a huge media controversy. And then I would wear whatever the fashion was. You know, I might be short, you know, hot pants one week or gauchos the next. And so they would ban me from being in the clubhouse. And, of course, the media would get behind that. <laughs> so everybody said, you know, she's always causing trouble. So when the LPGA came to you and said, we, we want to sell looks and all that, you, you already had the wardrobe then. Well, yeah. I had the wardrobe, but I also was used to the controversy. I'm like, what's different is just do it here now exactly. as well. Exactly, yeah. You, when you came out to, uh, to the LPGA, was that a difficult decision in 1974? Uh, I mean, you, you had won five times or whatever in Australia. Was it an easy decision to come to the United States? It was States? very difficult because I missed my family. And it was, a, you know, nowadays it's not so bad because it's, you know, the world is a smaller place and you've got emails and phones and all of that. And, I mean, I'd have to write letters to book accommodation. And, you know, you don't even think about it and I'd have to send my father would have to send these little little ear, post-it notes that you could wrap up really light and send. And I'd have to send my swing back on a VHS, and it would take a week to get there and things like that you don't even think of. Now it's instant with a phone. And it was really hard because it was so far away, mm. and it was so different. America was so different because you didn't have that much television. We were only allowed five American shows a, a day on TV. Mm. So it was mostly British, and so I had no idea what America was like. And I didn't like it at first. Of course, now I love it. When? How long did it take? Oh, about a year. <laughs> After the playing career, you, you 
kind of carved out the, the you know really the first woman professional to carve out a niche in the industry and even beyond the industry. How tough was it to kind of get your foot in that door? Well, the golf course design part was really hard. You know, I was lucky because I worked with Pete and Alice Dye, so I interned with them and I got quite a few. I actually did quite a bit for Pete um, and, you know, and have his name on it. I was hoping that I would get to be a Dye Stevenson, but they never did. Mm -hmm. And so I did go out on my own and I worked with Pete's son, Perry, overseas for Pete because he hated going overseas. But And then I did my first one on my own. And then the hardest part was that I, I actually think that was the – Thing where I quit too soon. It was right in the middle of the, the everything diving in 208, and you mm -hmm. couldn't get a golf course design business. And I'd already hired an engineer and an alco and um, you know a, a grow-in person and all these people, and yet I couldn't get a job because there's no new golf courses being built. The economy was bad, and I was having to go bid on golf courses against Arnold and Jack and Gary and. They weren't going to let me have a chance, and I left a little too soon. Now, knowing now the pers my perseverance, I should have stuck in there, and I would have probably made it. But I had such a huge crew to pay for that I went, you know, let's all go out on our own, and, and I changed. I stopped. So you but went I into wines that. instead. <laughs> I went into wine and alcohol, which is very competitive, and nothing, And I didn't know that much about it, but I've learned a lot about it. And it was like they said women shouldn't be in it, so I decided I was just gonna I was gonna show them. <laughs> And now it's it's grown, and you've oh, got yes. you've got the line of wines, and and the rums I think have really become the big hit. Yes, Tell us a they little are. bit about that. I love I love the alcohol. It's it, you know I was, I never really drank any, and so when they asked me, I you know I, I was one of the investors into the distillery because I love the I love the water technology, mm -hmm. and the water was so fantastic. And I'm like you know I've got to have something else because I can't drink this stuff. <laughs> and so they said, well, I said, can I flavor it? And they went, well, let's try it. But I said I want really real fruit. So I did passion fruit, mango, and pineapple from Australia, and it's real fruit. It's not artificial, and it made it cloudy, but the great thing is that the judges understood that, and they were they loved it, and so it's done really well. That's great, and uh, star golfer, entrepreneur. Uh, <laughs> well, I'd like to, you know, but still, I'd love to go back to golf course design sometime. It's still my favorite job. Of no, there are some that would love to have your restoration in yeah, there. But, one uh, day, I think that's what I want to do. Jan, thanks for joining us on the Golf Insiders, and we'll catch up with you uh, after the uh, induction. Thanks, Jeff. Great interview, Jeff. Thanks. She is um, she is a special person, super talented. Um, the LPGA owes a lot to Jan Stevenson, um, and she's just a tremendous businesswoman too. We did quite a bit of tasting of the flavored rums <laughs> at the bar after the banquet on Tuesday night at the ING conference. It was a lot of fun. So did you like the pineapple or the passion fruit? I like the passion fruit. Okay. It was very tasty. And I'm not a big rum drinker either. And I got to say, um, you know, she's one of the first to hit this flavored market with the rums, and, and they're doing fantastic. So, And it's going to be a you know, great week next week. Um, you know, and it's long overdue very, for Jan Stevenson. Very, very long overdue. As I said, I always thought she was in the Hall of Fame, and it kind of surprised me to see that under the old criteria, her numbers did not match up. Yep. Um, well-deserved, well-deserved. And we're going to have an interview with Dennis Walters um, in uh, the week after the, the um, induction, uh, another very, very good friend of the Golf Insiders. And a very inspirational uh Indeed. Showman. Yes. For the game. If you've never seen his trick shot show, it's amazing. Um, so, the RBC, it's that time to go out on a limb. <laughs>
How skinny is that limb going to be? It's hard to go out on a limb when you've got Dustin Johnson sitting there. And he's the defending champion. He's been second twice before. He's been able to win on these shorter golf courses. Hamilton is not, Hamilton Golf and Country Club is not even 6,900 yards. And so he's going to have to dial it in. But he almost won at Harbortown a couple of months ago, if you recall. So uh, he's kind of been able to take that next step with his game. And then considering who his uh, potential father-in-law is going to be being uh, engaged to Paulina Gretzky, he's practically Canadian. I think I have to stay with him. Oh, all right. I'm going to go for just an intuitive pick. And I don't know why, but maybe I'm just, I'm feeling Irish. Graham McDowell. Okay. I'm looking for Graham to win. I don't know.